All of us as adults are constantly faced with decisions, like do we tell the white lie and not rock the boat? Say that angers the person. Well, and so what? The chances are that it's all going to be forgotten anyway. You've agreed to something, but now you resent the, the person who you have to follow through with. I'm feeling insecure and I'm feeling less than my friend. Welcome to another episode of How to Be an Adult. This is a podcast for people just like you who've inadvertently become adults and don't know what to do about it. We're from the Morpheus Clinic for Hypnosis in Toronto, Canada, and that's where a lot of our ideas come from. I'm Luke Chow. And I'm Pascal Langdale. Almost none of us get the instruction that we need in order to even set foot off properly as an adult. And let's face it, it's an ongoing process of adulting. We've established some basic principles and fundamental axioms that will help you live better and live happier and do adulting better. If this sounds good to you, then keep on listening. This episode is about why we should even follow principles to begin with. Mm. Because a lot of our listeners are probably looking for tips for tricks mm -hmm. of adulthood. And there are plenty of people who have written books and who have their own podcasts about tips for managing relationships, tricks for your financial life and this kind of thing. But I don't hear as many people talking about having principles. So why should we even live a principled life to begin with? Well, I mean, you could start off with something really simple. And I, I think this is a situation that, that probably quite a lot of people have gotten themselves into, which is you're hanging out with people that you don't necessarily know quite well. And somebody, something, somebody says something along the lines of, oh, you know such and such movie, and you're in a position where you haven't seen the movie, you've heard of it, but you don't know it, but you go, mm-hmm, like you know it. But then later on, there's a callback, and you're put on the spot, and then you have a choice. Do I then say, well, actually, I have heard of it, but I haven't seen it, and you come clean, and you show your ignorance, and you, you risk you know, social, uh, uh, social judgment, or do you then start to bullshit? Having a principle which goes along the lines of, I must look good and it's okay to sort of tell lies, would not be a principle that would work very well. And then, of course, you can go to the, the macro version, which would be, if I don't have basic principles about what my values are, what I think is good and important and of value to me and the world around me, how am I going to relate to somebody in an intimate relationship? If all that's up for grabs and I don't have principles that I can fall back on, then basically I'm able to be swayed by anybody around me according to you know, the moment's whim. And that's again, that's not going to lead to success. There's so much life advice out there saying to follow your heart, hmm. to follow your whims, not to overthink things. But too often when one follows one's heart or one follows the crowd, one ends up in these precarious situations where you then have to kind of explain something or commit to something that you didn't actually mean when you said it. So we hope to prevent our listeners from getting themselves into these kinds of situations where because you don't have any rules for how you'll conduct yourself, you end up finding yourself in these situations where maybe you've said yes, but you actually mean no, or you've agreed to something, but now you resent the, the person who you have to follow through with. I think most of us, you know, have grown up with rules or principles that might have been appropriate for a child in a specific household environment, but which might not be adaptive in adult life. 
So all of us as adults are constantly faced with decisions, like do we tell the white lie and not rock the boat? Or do we tell the truth and then risk offending someone else? And ideally, we're not just trying to make decisions on the spot Hmm. about what we're going to do. If we have a very firm grounding in a set of life principles we'll abide by, then we kind of already know preemptively whether we're the type of person who's going to tell the white lie or whether we're the type of person who is going to risk rocking the boat but then develop a reputation as being straightforward and truthful. And there's also the other aspect of it, which is actually it feels good to have values that you make good on. Say, say somebody calls you up on a Friday and says, look, here's a project. You've got to hand it in. If you take it on, it's got to be done by uh, Monday. And if you want the job, that's what you've got to do. But that weekend, you're, you've got family commitments. One of your values and your priorities is to spend more time with your kids. And the alternative is right now, okay, I'm going to disappear for the weekend. The kids aren't going to see me. They're going to get fractious and annoyed. And then the, the event that we've planned is not going to go well. And I'm going to be a grumpy dad for, for 48 hours. Is that, I have to compare that to the value of the work that, is being offered on the Monday. Hmm. And then the question comes, well, are you in a situation to turn that down? And that sort of is a, is a big question, but that then goes to, well, what are, your, what are the other values in your life that work to make that possible? Mm-hmm. To be able to turn down the potential yeah. for work and be able to spend time with your family. And then if you've got those in line, that means you can turn around and say, you know what? I won't deliver on Monday. I'm pass on this. Somebody else can have to handle this. It's not, it's not going to be me because my value is to be with my family. Now, now, say that angers the person. Well, and so what? The chances are that it's all going to be forgotten anyway. And, you know, you're keeping things in perspective and you're aligned with your values. And so that means that the frustration of maybe not delivering on a professional impression of promise is balanced against making good on a value that means something to you. I think what I'm hearing you say is that if your values and your priorities and your principles are clear to you, mm. then you live a life without, or at least with much less regret. Yeah. People often experience regret if they, they live an unprincipled life. Well, let's talk a little bit about how many people conduct themselves when they don't have a firm set of principles that they abide by. Mm. So. I've mentioned a few already. One is to follow your heart, to follow whatever makes you feel good or whatever feels right to you. One of the problems with that, of course, is that feelings change. Principles are supposed to be sound. Principles are supposed to stay true even when you're in the depths of any kind of emotion. Mm. Something else people do is they follow the crowd. So if their friends are doing it, then they, they might do the same thing themselves. That's assuming your friends in aggregate make good decisions. And that's not always going to be the case. Say you're at a concert, right? And you're, you're at a festival. And you're not truly secure in your friend group. And somebody offers you a drug because it's fun. And you think, well, okay, you know what? That's my friend. They wouldn't mean me harm. And yeah, I, I could do with relaxing. And uh, this is going to make me feel happy. You kind of go, well, okay, but hold on a second. Is is it the drug that is going to make you happy? Or could we have gone a few steps earlier? And if you had your principles straight, you would be happy within your friend group without the requirement to have drugs. Well, I I would say that there are sound moral systems Hmm. that allow people to use drugs to feel good. Sure. 
I know you're talking about party drugs, like festival drugs. Yeah, well, I mean, drugs, I, I, I suppose I'm saying that it's easy with emotions to mix up a need. For instance, I need to feel secure and validated. Uh, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling insecure and I'm feeling less than my friends who appear to be having so much more fun than me. And you can mistake that feeling for, well, in which case I need to do something about it. And the drug is it. Do you see what I mean? This, the, the, the idea that your emotion, the need for a drug, is necessarily the right thing. And if your principle is, well, I trust my emotions and my gut feeling in every circumstance, it, it's not going to work uh, if, it's in, if it's left unexamined. It's not going to work if it's just taken as being a fundamental truth. Because your emotions can, they're a sign of something, but the correlating action is not necessarily correct. Well, there is such a thing as emotional reasoning, where people kind of build their reasoning or excuses around what yeah. they're feeling in, in the moment, and that's not really reasoning. Something else that people do when, when they don't really abide by a personal moral code or their, their own principles mm -hmm. is they follow the outwardly approved of markers of success. So they'll do what makes money. They'll do what gives them prestige, even when they don't feel like it. Now, that's kind of a value system. If you value money, if you value prestige, if you, if you value, let's say, power, there could be a reasonable argument constructed that, mm. that that could potentially lead to a bad life. Sure. Oh, sorry. No, good life. A good oh, yeah. life. You're in, you're in line yeah. with your values in that case, y yes. Yes. But here's what I see to be the problem with following the outward signs of success. It means that your feelings of security and happiness are out of your control. So if there is a recession and your stock portfolio goes down 30%, then your happiness just got a severe impact. If you lose your position of power, then you could potentially feel a deep shame or even worthlessness that you would not feel if you saw yourself as constantly and inviolably mm -hmm. a worthy human being for, for, for those reasons, that, that you're a human being. Yeah, so I'm laughing because you're reminding me of, uh, of a, a multi, well, he's a billionaire, I think, uh, I, had a, I had a chat to, and um, he said it was extraordinary because they have self-help groups amongst millionaires and, and, and billionaires. and. And they will air their biggest concerns. And the two biggest concerns that came up most often was the fear that somebody would steal their family in a hostage situation. Or, and this is, and I kid you not, he said, people grieved over the fact that their yachts weren't as big as somebody else's that they knew. And this is, goes back to the idea that, you, you, that just because somebody is successful and rich and, and appears so, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that they're any happier than you are. The architecture of their misery is going to be somewhat different but, but they can still be perfectly miserable. They're going to have problems. They're just a different set of problems than what you or I might have. Or, or, or even similar in the sense that they've pursued, successfully pursued the accrual of money in order to fill some kind of insecurity, but the insecurity remains. One problem that the wealthy have that I guess you or I don't have, or at least not as much, 
is that billionaires, let's, let's say billionaires, yeah. will attract a lot of envy, a lot mm. of resentment. They can't just make friends with anybody. I think part of the reason they have these self-help mastermind groups among other millionaires or billionaires is that they're not going to be shamed for having wealth. Yeah. They're not going to be criticized for having you know, yacht envy. All the money or having a yacht. Yeah, or having yacht envy. Is or having yacht just envy. Go, yeah, it, I know how that feels, yeah. Exactly. So, like I said, different problems, but still a whole host of problems. Mm -hmm. I mean, th this is kind of one of the core insights of, of, of the Buddha, mm. which is that suffering is part of life. Mm -hmm. It's an inescapable part of life. So, yes, money, power, prestige, etc. doesn't buy you an out. And having principles to abide by that will center you when you're going through the inevitable challenges and trials and tribulations of life. This will help you at least keep more of an even keel in a way that even money, power, and prestige cannot give you. So now that we've told people what not to do, <laughs> we're going to talk about why people should live a principled life to be begin with. Well, one reason that I've kind of ascertained is that principles transcend individuals. If something can be called a principle, then it's not just for me as Luke or you as Pascal. It's for me, Luke, and for you as Pascal, and for anyone else who might be in the building, and potentially for other people across cultures and, and across times. And to be an adult, we have to overcome the egocentricity that toddlers have. We do have to kind of care about other people and their needs if we're going to play well with others. Not even in adulthood, in childhood, we have to play well with others. And one of the ways to kind of transcend your ego gratification is to remember the principles that are held by you and the other people around you so that you have like common ground rules for living life by. In many cases, even a baseline of a shared principle can actually mean that you you connect and you can get on with a greater range of people. Let's, let's say you have a, a general principle, which is it is wrong to use aggression to get what you want, let's say. And if you, people know that, well, the way they interact with each other will be affected. And even if that's the common ground, then you, you that's a basic principle with anybody that you talk to, is that I'm not going to use aggression to get my oil changed. I'm not going to use aggression to get my groceries packed or whatever it is. If you have these principles that are broadly shared by all humans, it means that you can interact with all humans pretty well. And even if they disagree with you on the detail, the how, that's of less importance because you're essentially operating on a, on a shared humanity. And it's easy, therefore, to honor them and respect them, even if you disagree with them and vice versa. And you'll get a great benefit from that because what, if you were just simply to live in your own head and agree with yourself, what kind of hell is that for a start? And secondly, how would you learn anything? So what I'm taking from what you've said is that you're not just arguing against solipsism. Mm. You're also arguing against cultural relativism. Yes. You're, you're basically saying that if you're dropped off in a different country halfway around the world, there are principles that apply in Canada um, for how to be a decent, likable, pro-social human being, hmm. how to be a guest in someone's home, even though you've never been to the culture mm -hmm. before. And th this in the 
21st century is, is not a universally shared mm. upon view. So we can kind of imagine like the xenophobic person from a backwater town mm-hmm. being transported to a foreign country and they kind of treat everyone as significantly different mm-hmm. from them. But then you have like the world traveler who's been to many different countries and they realize, okay, there's a lot of common ground between people from different mm-hmm. countries. And then they can, can kind of generalize principles for humanity that transcend cultures. To me, if a principle transcends cultures and limited time span, that's definitely mm. a principle worth abiding by. And so and so thinking of it in those terms, it means that even throughout the different phases in your own life, so for instance, there's childhood is one, but there might be twenties might be another, might be midlife might be another. You know, there's different phases in the human life. And if we were to say, well, we've just got to find rules that suit that particular day of the week or that month or that particular year, then it wouldn't be a good guiding principle in each of those phases. You have to reinvent the wheel every single time. And to be honest, you wouldn't necessarily know if they were good principles or not. Instead, if you're saying it transcends time, you're saying, well, the principle of self-care, for example, that's going to change the way that you self-care over time will change, but the principle will remain. So the way you take care of yourself when you're 80 years old is going to be different from when, when you're in your early 20s. Well, yeah, I mean, this is how you would care for even, let's say, a dog in the different phases of a mm. dog's life, where you've got like the puppy food that you feed them when they're a puppy, and then you've got the adult dog food that you feed them when they're an adult dog. You've got the senior dog food that you feed them when they're a senior dog. And you might not make the senior dog run around as much as the puppy, but you're going to tire out the puppy by making them run around a lot. Mm-hmm. So that the principle, I, I think, is is to, in the self-care context, mm-hmm. to treat yourself as you are, not as you'd been, mm-hmm. not as you're going to be in the distant future, but instead to, to recognize how you are each ongoing phase of your life and to treat yourself and care for yourself accordingly. So it's, it's not just that these principles go across short timescales relatively as far as human life is concerned, but some of these principles are thousands of years old and they've survived the rise and the fall of the Roman Empire, they've survived communism and fascism, and they persist because the externals, if you like, of whatever is going on in the world or in your life will change. It's the very nature of humanity is that the change is the only thing you can guarantee. And so therefore, your principles that can withstand that, those are going to be the bedrock of your behavior. Most likely, some of the people listening to this podcast are actually going to reach the the age of 100, Mm. which means they're going to possibly be living in the 22nd century. The technology is going to be different. The music is going to be different. There are going to be social norms and social mores they're going to have in that distant future that we can't even predict today. But there are going to be some principles that were true in the time of, let's Mm. say, the Stoics Mm. that are still true today and that are going to be truthful in the next century simply because while culture changes and there are fads that might last only like weeks, not even years— Human beings, as the human organism, we are genetically basically the same Mm. as we were 50,000 years ago. And we're probably going to be, I mean, save (laughs) gene engineering Mm -hmm. and all that technology, we're probably going to be basically the same species 
thousands of, of years in the future. So any principle that seems to transcend time and culture and, and space probably is describing human nature. Mm. Well, I hope all of this is leading to actually specific principles that we're going to share with yeah, sure. our listeners in subsequent episodes, mm. actually. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about the, the episode about work and money. Yeah. Because it's such a big part of people's lives. And so many people live like they're that donkey with the carrot in front of them and then the stick behind them and they're motivated by these extrinsic factors. And to some degree, we all are motivated by external factors, but when we're only motivated by external factors, regardless of our internal principles that we try to abide by, then we're so much at the whim of our employer We're so much at the whim of the economy. We're so much at the whim of our landlord. We're so much at the whim of the Bank of Canada or the the Fed down in the U.S. that we can't possibly feel stable and secure. We'll save that whole conversation for when we sit down for the money episode. That'll be fun. Which is, it's going to be a great episode (laughs) just because money is often where people abandon their principles, unfortunately. Mm. So Pascal, we're talking about living a principled life where we abide by a set of rules that other people will know about. Doesn't this make a person who's principled predictable? Doesn't it mean that others might take advantage of them because it's going to be obvious what they will and will not do. Hmm. I think there's two responses I can make to this. One is that if you think of your personality trait and say, well, I think the best of the people that I meet, I start off by assuming the best of people. On the other side, you could say, well, that makes me gullible or I'm, I'm open to a scam, right? I'm easily dupable. And the thing, then you've got to ask, the, you've got to ask a, a, a value question, which is, well, do I train myself out of being so easily dupable and in the process lose the benefits that I gain from starting off from a position of trust in people? And that, again, will go back to a certain value. So it's not necessarily the case that, that if you have a principle, it automatically makes you gullible. It's more a question of, well, are you choosing uh, to behave in a certain way based on a value that on the whole works better for you? And then can you educate yourself to be aware of the sharks that are in the water, of the hustles and the things that do occur, so that at least you're not ignorant? Because that's just ignorance. That's not gullibility. One interesting thing about people who are easily caught, Hmm. it's not the honest people. Right. It's dishonest people (laughs) who are easily caught. Part of the reason, I I think, is that if you do have a sound set of principles, Mm. then you can easily identify those who say things or do things that are not in line with Mm. what people say and do when they have a similar set of principles. On the other hand, if you're dishonest and then you meet a dishonest person, it doesn't even register to you that anything has gone amiss. Mm. I actually think that having a set of principles that generalizes means that um, you'll vibe with people who are principled and it's not going to feel right inside if you meet someone who's unprincipled. That also makes sense as to why I think it was Marcus Aurelius, there was a sort of a coup against him, and he, the, the you know he's an emperor of Rome, and um, hugely powerful. And we assume that 
emperors of Rome would just sort of uh, throw people to the, you know, to the lions in that case. And he, he didn't. He, he basically he rounded them all up and then said, don't do that, <laughs> basically. And other people were saying, look, you've, you've got to destroy these families and take all their, their wealth and you've got to make an example of them. But it went against his principles. And he was possibly the most successful emperor uh, of the Roman, emperor, uh, the Roman Empire at the time. He, was, he wasn't gullible. You know, he, he knew what was going on, but the way that he conducted himself thereafter aligned with his principles. And you, you can't be an emperor of Rome with, uh, by being gullible and easily duped. You know? Well, it's kind of like the sport of, let's say, boxing or any mm. sport. Are you being gullible <laughs> if you abide by the rules? Yeah. Well, well no. The, the sport of boxing remains civilized if there is no hitting below the belt. If there is no eye gouging, right? If you're the first to hit below the belt, it's no longer really the sport of boxing that, that, that we know. And then you've changed the rules of the game, which makes you susceptible to someone else, you know, d doing something nasty to you. Then there's a question, which is, what if somebody else is changing the rules of the game? You always have the option of not playing the game. Right. Right. So most of the things we do, even if we tell ourselves that we have no other choice, usually we do have a choice, but the alternatives we find unpalatable. Right. Mm -hmm. So it might not feel good to exit the ring, but exiting the ring, I would suggest, is always an option. I mean, obviously, if someone's actually like confined to a prison, for example, then there are many different freedoms. Rules. They're not getting <laughs> different rules and freedoms that, that they don't have. But for all of us mm. in the free world, the analogy I'll use is that the, the person who's choosing to, to run a marathon or the person is choosing to step into the ring for, for the sport of boxing is going to feel very different from the person who's running away from wolves or who has to defend themselves in a street fight. Mm. If the game is voluntary, then you can step out if you choose to, but you stay in the game because you'd rather have the, 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 the glory and, and the pride mm -hmm. and, and the sense of achievement for, for doing well. Whereas the person being chased by wolves actually has no choice. Often we kind of feel th this fight or flight, life or death feeling mm. when we actually have choice and we're actually in the sport of boxing, not in a street fight. We're actually in a marathon. We're not being chased by wolves. Mm. Does this explain or give you a, a sort of a, a more objective view of examples where somebody has changed the rules and it is life or death? So the example being, you know, the Nazis knocking on your door and saying, you know, uh, who do you have in there? That's another occasion where your values can go, well, okay, I, I value equality, liberal freedom, democracy, and this, these rules that these the people are asking me to play by are life or death, but for the greater life and for the greater um, uh, purpose that I may survive and then do more good, mm -hmm. I can lie. I think that in these very complicated situations, you kind of have to trust your own judgment in these situations. Mm. So I know I'm going to lie to save Anne Frank, mm -hmm. even at you know, the, the risk of myself being imprisoned or killed, mainly because I don't want to live in a world where I'm kind of participating in the pogroms. Patrick Henry, down in the U.S., said, give me liberty or give me death. He would rather die free 
than to live under tyranny. Mm. And there are many people who would rather die free than to live Mm -hmm. under tyranny, and we do consider this to be principled. Mm. If anything, we consider it somewhat cowardly if Mm. we're giving Anne Frank to the Nazis. Mm -hmm. So I think that in these situations, you do have to kind of play it by ear, but I know for myself, I'm giving up my principle to always tell the truth in order to preserve greater principles. And I suppose uh, the idea that you're also saying is that if you have principles and that you make a choice, you're not being chased by walls in this case. I'm sure that Schindler is an example of somebody that turned being chased by walls into making a proactive choice and for years was considered a, a collaborator. And my French grandfather uh, was in the Maquis, which was the, the conservative resistance. He did not talk about anything that had happened, at least very rarely, little snippets of information. It turned out that he was a radio operator, which is one of the most dangerous jobs. But he'd made this decision to be a radio operator in Nazi France with a wife and I think his first child as well. That's no small thing. And then the reason he didn't talk about it was because anybody that knew who he was faced being tortured, and they were. And people had died, not saying, not revealing who he was. But I look at those decisions that my grandparents made, and I'm sort of in awe. I mean, I've never been tested. My principles never been tested to that degree. And I can only hope that I would come out with a sort of a proactive approach that aligned with my values in some way. And I hope I never get tested in that way to, to some degree. But I mean, man, I mean, just imagine that. That's extraordinary. That shows you the power of having principles. Mm where even the prospect of torture or death is not enough to cause you to deviate from being on the side of the good guys and then defending freedom. We are in awe of such people because they are very much admirable people. Mm. As much as I can in my life, I, like you, hope I am never actually going to be in a situation where I'm being metaphorically chased by wolves Mm -hmm. and this is put to the test. But I know I would have a hard time sleeping if I took the, let's say, cowardly route. Mm. I I think that with that example, Mm. you've summarized the the power of having principles and also how admirable it is Mm -hmm. when a person has principles and sticks with them. Taking it away from extreme global conflict. Obviously, we don't want to be posed with that degree of choice. And yet, in everyday life, we're still faced with similar choices that are in the same family. So, for instance, if, um, if I'm in a situation where if I say something, it's going to potentially endanger a relationship. But if I don't say something, the problem will persist and grow. And it might feel like life or death because it might be a very important relationship. But if you, if you don't live by your principle of telling uncomfortable truths with the faith that ultimately it's going to be better than keeping a lie, (laughs) you know, then that's still a huge step for somebody to do. I mean, there's such a lot of fear involved with telling uncomfortable truths. And it's not just moralistically, hypothetically, it's the right thing Mm -hmm. to do. I mean, in the situation you described, the relationships gotten rocky to begin with. Mm And I would suggest that just purely pragmatically, yeah. just practically handling the problem, bringing it out into the open, putting light upon it, 
just purely pragmatically devoid of any more morality mm-hmm. at all, it's a sound principle to do it because it's going to objectively lead to a better future mm-hmm. for you and for the other person. In either direction as well. You may not know what that future is, and yet you can say, well, this principle is not even, ma- it's not even necessarily, as you say, the best principles are not particularly moral, but they are practical, and the outcomes of living by them are practically better. Right. So you pick another one. We can test it. I've got to pick another Okay. Um, let's use the example of you found a wallet on the street, mm-hmm. right? And there's cash inside, plus credit cards and ID and everything. Do you keep the cash as a finder's fee? <laughs> right? Because a lot of people would keep mm-hmm. the cash. And then a lot of people wouldn't. So people who do keep the cash, they might rationalize that someone's going to steal it anyway. The postman's going to steal it anyway. They might rationalize that, well, their kid needs a new pair of shoes. This is not a life or death situation. Yet the consequences of either keeping the money or returning the money are going to stick with you. Mm. If, If you keep the money, what sticks with you is some money and if you have a conscience at all, some degree of guilt, some degree of, of just this inescapable knowledge that you have stolen money. Mm. And then if you bought something with that stolen money, then you have basically a stolen thing <laughs> that you don't deserve. Mm. Whereas if, if you return the wallet, then you're not keeping the money. So, you know, you're a little bit poorer, right? But then you have, for maybe the rest of your life, knowledge that you're an honest person who returns everything inside the wallet, including the cash that you you could have very easily extracted before dropping the wallet in the post box. So you could say one of the principles is to uh, behave in a pro-social manner. And you could say, well, morally, uh, you could say, well, it's because um, it's right to do so because it is so. But if you think from a very pragmatic point of view, if everybody behaves in a way which is pro-social, things are better for more yeah. people. So it's well, like a it's a it's a yeah. pragmatic uh, well, axiom. Yeah. Well, I, I use this. So I mean, it does kind of create more of a high trust society in a small way if everyone's mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. But each person dropping off the whole wallet is just like a drop in, in the bucket. I'm thinking more intrapersonally as mm-hmm. opposed to interpersonally. Right. Where intrapersonally, at some point you're going to, you know, hit your pillow at bedtime <laughs> and you're going to remember things you did that day. Was it, was it a, fr- a French uh, French writer philosopher, philosopher said uh, uh, the softest pillow is, is an easy conscience. That's yeah, right. The softest yeah. pillow is I, an I, easy I conscience. I think we, we might have ta- talked about this in prior e- episodes. The argument I'm making for following principles like do not steal Mm -hmm. is that it leads to you being not just any adult. It leads you to being a happy adult, which is the whole point of this podcast. Being a a decent, honest person and, you know, then being able to see yourself like that. Yeah. As you'd noted, helps you literally sleep better at night and it helps you metaphorically sleep better at night because even if no one else knows the good thing you did, Mm. you will know the good thing you did. And then if if no one finds out about the bad thing you did, you will still know for the rest of your life Mm. the bad thing you did. I think that's a good good note to end on. So if you like these ideas and you like the principles we're talking about, Luke and I are available for hire through the Morpheus Clinic 
for hypnosis. And we're based in Toronto, but we also treat people online worldwide. If you want to hear more of the kinds of things we say, please subscribe to us on YouTube at Morpheus Hypnosis, where you can watch the video version of the podcast, or you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other major platforms to hear the audio version. And look out for our next episode, where we're going to give you some concrete principles for how to take care of your mind and your emotions.